Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John Butler speaks from the subject of Three Desperately Needed Biblical Prayers. And now, here is today's broadcast. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 today. Luke 18, verse 1. For those of you who are backslidden, that is not the rapture of the church. That's a train coming by, so still a good opportunity to repent. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them. So this is the point that Jesus was trying to make to them. That they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. What was the point of Jesus' parable? Always pray and not give up. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear your word today. To hear your word speaking down through the ages to us. To, to never give up on prayer. God, I pray that you help us to not just learn about it, not just understand it more, but to put it into practice more and more and more as the day of your return approaches. Lord, speak to us today. Change our hearts to line up with your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there are many, many scriptures that back up what Jesus just said in this scripture, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you should always pray and never, ever, ever give up. Prayer's not optional. Prayer is not optional. It's our connection to the supernatural. It's our primary form of communication with our Father. It's the primary way that God's kingdom comes and His will is done on the earth. So if we call ourselves believers, Christians, followers of Jesus, however you want to characterize yourself, we have to be connected to and committed to prayer. So today we're going to wrap up our, our series that we started this year with on prayer, and I think we're going to come back to this several more times this year, so this is not going to be the last that you hear of this topic from this pulpit this year. Uh, in our first message, we talked about the supernatural power of prayer, which addresses why we should pray. We should pray because that's the way we connect with the supernatural. And then last week, we looked at the uh, prayer instructions of Jesus that helped us understand how we should pray. So today, uh, I want us to focus on what we should pray. Okay? What should we be praying? Now, as I said with the prayer instructions of Jesus last week, this is just scratching the surface on, on what the Word says uh, about what we need to pray. But I want to share what I believe the Lord's laid on my heart today because there are three areas that are sorely lacking in the body of Christ in America today and I believe also lines up with some areas that we're lacking here at Covenant Life. And so what God gives to the body of Christ, do you believe this? What God gives to the body of Christ is what we ask for. 
And if we don't have it, it's because we didn't ask for it. Amen. Do, you believe, do you believe me? That, that's what the Word says. So it's because we haven't asked that we haven't received the things that we need. So today, here, th this is the most uncreative title of a message you've ever heard, but these are three desperately needed biblical prayers. Three desperately needed biblical prayers. Here's the first one. It's prayer for boldness. Prayer for boldness. I want to show you in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. This is a fascinating, if you read Acts chapter 3 and 4, it's really a fascinating uh, experience that the apostles, the early church, are going through. So this is, this is the sort of the end, the conclusion of a prayer that the apostles are praying and the early believers are praying. And I'll tell you what the context is in a minute. But, but look at what this says. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then verse, in verse 31, it gives you the results. And after they prayed, the place where they, where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And look at this, and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. Didn't they just ask for boldness? And here you go, God answered their prayer immediately. Now this is one of the most remarkable prayers of the New Testament to me, but we hardly ever talk about it in the church. I want to, I want to give you the context of this. Now that you see this remarkable prayer, Peter and John were standing before the Sanhedrin, or had been brought to the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling body, the Jewish high council. And these are the same people, the Sanhedrin, the same people who conspired to have Jesus crucified. And the Sanhedrin warned Peter and John not to teach or preach or operate in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John, as respectfully but as clearly as possible, told them they could not comply with their order. They said, I hear you, I understand it, I appreciate what you're trying to do, we just can't do it because we have to obey God rather than man. And so they had already put them in jail, and God sent an angel and released them from jail. So this is the second time they're standing before the Sanhedrin, and so they gave them threat, they threatened them, they told them, again, you can't preach in this name, and then they let them go. Well, they left the Sanhedrin council chamber, and they went straight to this meeting of the believers in Jerusalem, and all the apostles are there, the early believers are there, and this was the prayer that they prayed as a result of being threatened by people who had the power to take their lives. And so they prayed this prayer. Now notice they didn't say, God, get these bad, get, you go get these bad men for being so mean to us. That wasn't their prayer, right? That'd have been our prayer, most of us. Sick them, Lord. Right? They, they didn't say, Lord, let that angel who, who you sent to get us out of prison, hey, let that dude stay with us and just sort of get us out of any trouble that we might face. That's not what they prayed. Their one concern was for the mission that God had sent them on, going and making disciples. And so they prayed what they needed to carry out their mission. They said, God, give us boldness. Give us boldness to preach your word. Boldness is having the courage to act in the face of danger and criticism. 
is having the courage to do what God called you to do. Peter and John and the others knew that they had to preach the gospel. That was the mission. And it wasn't, you couldn't compromise it. And you couldn't get out of it. That was the mission. So they asked, what they asked for was not, Lord, remove the danger, but God, give us the power to do it anyway. They prayed, God, give us the boldness that we need to preach your word, even though the human part of us is concerned about the consequences. They'd be foolish not to think about it. But they said, God, we understand it, but give us the boldness to do it anyway. Well, God, we're more concerned with the advancement of your kingdom than we are about our lives. So give us the boldness to preach and confirm our preaching with signs and wonders and, and miracles. We're not asking you that, that our service to you be safe or free from danger. We just, want, we just want to know that when our work is done and our time is up, that there is no doubt in anybody's mind we were working by your power and with your blessing. So God be glorified in this situation. That was the prayer of, of, of Peter and John. Now, I don't know how much longer it's going to be safe to preach the Word in America. Things are changing fast. I know this. We already have a deficit of truth-telling, Bible-believing preachers and church members in this country already. There's already not enough. God help us if there's ever any real persecution, if there's ever any real pushback from the government or society at large about speaking the truth of God's Word. We need men and women of God in the pulpit and in the pews who will have the boldness of God to share their faith, to boldly share God's truth, to boldly do what God has called us to do. Do you think just because, just because God calls you to something that it's going to be safe and easy? Do you think it's safe and easy to raise ten boys in a foreign country like David's doing? No, he's getting threatened and he's living in one of the most dangerous cities in the world. But God called him. You think it's easy? You think everything's just going to fall into place and everything's going to be roses and everybody's going to love you because you do what God calls you to do? Not a shred of scriptural evidence to back that up. Not, not even a little bit. Eleven of the twelve apostles were killed for doing what Jesus told them to do, and they tried to kill John to just the old coot wouldn't die. <laughs> Satan roams like a roaring lion. Isn't that what the Bible says? What's the purpose of the roar of a lion? Scare you absolutely to death. To instill fear and intimidation. It makes us want to shrink back in self-defense, right? But the apostles are our example. Instead of spending our prayer time trying to figure out how to convince God to make the call easier on ourselves, how about we spend some time making sure we have the courage to stay true to the call? The courage to face the criticism, to face the danger, to face the inconvenience, to face the discomfort and the awkwardness, to face the sacrifice, because the cause of Christ is more important than our comfort or our convenience. He called and we answered. Now it's up to us to do what He tells us to do. So if you sell out to the kingdom, there will come a time when you will face fear and intimidation, either from the outside, from the circumstances you find yourself in, or like Paul said, even from inside yourself. So what are you going to do about that? 
What we need in America is more people who will pray for the boldness to carry out what God has called them to do. You want to know how to pray for me? I want to pray for my pastor. How do I pray for my pastor? Pray for boldness for me. Pray that I have the boldness to do what God's called me to do. And guess what? It's coming right back at you. I'm going to pray for you the same thing. The kingdom of God will never advance by timidity. It will only advance with boldness. Paul told Timothy, God didn't give you the spirit of fear and timidity, Timothy. He gave you power and love and a sound mind. You know what that means? Boldness. Boldness. God, make us bold to share your word and confirm it with signs and wonders and miracles. But if you want to know what to pray, pray for boldness to do what God's called you to do. Here's the second thing. I'm sorry, this has kind of been, I've been saving this up all week. I'm going to bull that out of the chute. Y'all okay? Y'all take a deep breath? You get a cup of coffee or something? We didn't have church Wednesday night, so I'm, I'm... Here's the second prayer we need to pray. We desperately needed biblical prayer. We need to pray for authority and forgiveness. Pray for authority and forgiveness. That's kind of an odd combination, but I want you to see it in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, this is what Jesus said. Have faith in God. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and doesn't doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it'll be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours And when you stand praying, look at this, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. All part of one conversation. Now, we have such dead and powerless believers in churches in this country. That wasn't really a question. That's just a statement. We've got dead powerless believers and churches in America. Now we quote the scripture, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, but we walk around scared of our own shadows. In the verses that we just read, it's clear that Jesus is teaching us that we have authority in his name, not just to pray, but to take authority over the things that the enemy puts in our way. Obstacles, which Jesus symbolizes as mountains, evil spirits, even diseases and other things that are not the will of God for a person, Jesus said we can speak to those things and take authority over those things. We have no reason to be powerless in the body of Christ when we have been delegated the authority of God. So it's time for us to walk in the authority that God has given to us and He's given us the boldness to speak in His name. And so we have to walk in that authority, walk in that boldness, and it's desperately needed in the church today. And I would love for us to spend a little more time on talking about the authority that God gives us, but we're going to have to revisit that because there's something else here that I think explains why we don't operate in the authority that the American church should be operating in. And people ask all the time, why don't we see, why don't we see miracles and healings and, and signs and wonders and things that they used to have? I think this helps to explain part of it. In the midst of this discussion about authority and about prayer, 
Jesus said, but when you're praying, when you're praying, right? Even if you're praying in faith, even if you're operating in the authority that, he is, that He's designated to us or delegated to us, Jesus said if you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, not only are your sins not being forgiven, but your prayers are being hindered and your authority has been suspended. I'm not sure there has ever been a society in the history of the world as sensitive as the 21st century American church. Or 21st century America, excuse me. You can't order takeout without offending somebody. Right? And it's no better in the church than it is outside the church. And as a matter of fact, it might be worse in the church. And with the epidemic of offense that plagues the church, many people in the body of Christ are carrying grudges. And those, the, the grudges are causing our sins to pile up. Because Jesus said, you can't be forgiven if you're not willing to forgive. What was it Jesus said in, in what we've called the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our sins or our trespasses as we or in the same way or to the same extent that we forgive those who trespass against us. Be careful what you say and be careful what you pray. We can, we can quote it without even thinking. Do we realize what we just asked God to do? God, forgive us to the same extent that we are willing to forgive people who've offended us? Repeatedly in the Gospels, Jesus teaches that if we don't forgive others for what they do to us, then He is not going to forgive us for what we've done to Him or to what others have done to us. It's no wonder we have no power. Because you can't have power and carry a grudge. The grudge will sap your strength. The offense will sap your strength. It'll sap your intimacy with God. Why? Because you can't get intimacy with God when you're dragging around the sins that cannot be forgiven. And we see the consequences of that. And we see the consequences of having that root of bitterness that we've allowed to permeate everything and everything that we touch and to suffocate the life out of us. You talk to a person that's been in the church for very long and it's not hard to find somebody that's cynical and closed off to everything and everybody. We, we expect people to hurt us. And we're still mad about the last person. Maybe the last 20 people. Listen, I know what it's like to be hurt in the church. You ain't got time. And I don't even want to talk about it. Now, I ain't going to take off my shirt and show you my back. Because the scars are not physical. But if I could show you my back spiritually, you'd see the scars. If you could watch me walk spiritually, you can see the limp. I know what it is to be hurt in the church. I know what it is to be accused of things that you didn't do. I know what it is to be called names and to have your integrity slandered. 
I know what it is to have people that you thought were with you to walk out without a word. I know what it's like to work your fingers to the bone in ministry and nobody seems to care and nobody seems to recognize the sacrifice. I've been there. I know what that's like. Some of you are there and I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm telling you it's hard. I'm telling you it's painful. I know it hurts. But that pain is nothing compared to the pain of trying to pray and you can't get through. Of trying to feel something from the Lord and there's nothing. It's nothing compared to the burden of carrying the guilt of our sin from the day that person offended you because we can't get forgiven of that stuff. Jesus gave us His authority. He taught us how to pray in faith and move God's hand. But in that very moment, He said, but first... You have to forgive. Jesus said, oh, y'all are really not going to like this. Jesus said, love those who hate you. And you realize love's a verb, right? You have to do something about it. It It is not a fuzzy feeling. Love the people who hate you. Do good to the people who mistreated you on purpose. They knew they were doing it. They did it anyway. They despitefully used you. We got, we got these, these two boys, four and five, and you tell them what to do or what not to do. Okay. And then they do it, watching you watch them do it. Do it out of spite. (laughs) I guess I have to forgive them too, don't I? (laughs) You do good to the people who offend you on purpose. Jesus said, bless them and do not curse them. So that Sikkim prayer, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The path to increased effectiveness in your prayer and in mine. The path to increased intimacy with God. To forgiveness of your sin. To peace and joy and love. And everything the world is trying to figure out a way to manufacture. The path to that is to forgive those who did you wrong. And listen, pray a prayer of blessing over them. You want to talk about difficult? Try praying for the people that used you and mistreated you and said all kinds of stuff against you. And I'm not talking about praying about them. I mean pray for them. Pray pray that God blesses them in what they do. They stepped on you to get where they wanted to go, but you pray that that venture is successful. (laughs) Pray God blesses them. You may have to pray through clenched teeth. God will hear it. He he can interpret that because he knows knows how hard it is. Are you kidding? They put him on the cross. They stripped him. They nailed him to a cross on purpose. And he said, Father, forgive him. 
They don't really know what they're doing. If there's ever been a prayer that the body of Christ desperately needs to pray so that we can walk in our delegated authority, we can walk in the boldness that God wants us to walk into, we've got to learn to pray the prayer of forgiveness. And listen, this is not a one-time deal. You've you got to do this until your feelings catch up. Because I'm telling you, you ain't going to feel warm and fuzzy. Well, maybe you might. I did not feel warm, neither warm nor fuzzy. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Here's the third prayer. You're like, oh, that two's quite enough. Thank you. This third prayer we've got to pray. We've got to pray a prayer for boldness. We've got to pray the prayer of authority and forgiveness. Forgiveness and authority. We've got to pray for power. You have to pray for power. Now listen, don't, don't tighten up on me. Let's just look at the scriptures together, okay? Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. We're going to do verses 4 and 5, verse 8 and verse 14. So that you can see this pattern here. On one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus, Jesus gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In verse 8, uh, verse 5, sorry, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what, what gift is he talking about? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the, uh, the ends of the earth, the uttermost parts of the earth. And then verse 14. So this, they, they, the 120 went to the upper room and they did what Jesus told them to. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So they, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait. And this is the evidence. So they went to Jerusalem and waited. Now listen, we in the American church have more power to provide more things for ourselves than ever before. We are so blessed with food and clothing and shelter and access to health care for most people and, and things that the first century church had to depend on God for. Amen. And honestly, most of the rest of the world have to depend on God for it. But even with all of our health, and wealth, and prosperity, we are possibly the most anemic, and hopeless, and lethargic, and powerless people who have ever called themselves believers. Why is that? Because the things that we can provide for ourselves are not the things that bring peace, and fulfillment, and joy, and contentment. We have found a way to provide the temporal things for ourselves, but we're still unable to provide the things that last forever. That's because there's only one source for peace. There's only one source for contentment, one source for joy, one source for power, and that is the Spirit of the living God. If we could provide it by might, the American church would have already done it by now. If we could provide it by our own power, the power of humans, the power of politics, the power of influence, the power of money, the power of, of, of the military, the power of charisma, 
the power of education, if we could have provided it for ourselves by our own power, we would have already done it. But what we have to realize is that some things are not within the grasp of humanity. Some things cannot be achieved by human achievement. The the, the words of the prophet Zechariah are still echoing through the ages. They're just as true now as they were then. It's not by might and it's not by our power. It's by my Spirit, says the Lord. There is no substitute for the presence and the power of God in our lives. So why don't we pray for it? Why don't we ask Him for it? Jesus said to the 500 that were gathered on the mountain, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And then Acts 1 tells us that promise of the Father was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's in verse 5. And then Jesus said that baptism in verse 8, the baptism will give us power. So why don't we talk about that? Why don't we ask for it? Why don't we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit? Listen, there is no other power by whom the kingdom of God moves and lives and is established. There's no other power by whom men come to Jesus. You cannot come to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit draws you. There's no other power through whom the Word of God goes forth. There's no other power through whom God moves on this earth. There's no other power who provides us with boldness. No other power who connects us with the authority of Jesus. There's no other power who enables us to forgive others and bless them when they've cursed us. So why in the world have our pulpits fallen silent about it? Why in the world don't we tell people what Jesus told them? You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why in the world do we not ask as Paul did in Acts 19, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Peter and James and John and all the other apostles and followers of Christ, they spent three and a half years walking and talking and observing and being trained by Jesus Christ Himself. If they weren't qualified to operate the church without receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why in the world do we think we can? If there's a prayer that this world desperately needs to pray, it's found in the words of the old hymn that we sang in the little Baptist church that I grew up in, Oh Lord, send the power just now and baptize everyone. You say, John, that died with the apostles. We don't need that experience anymore. That's not what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. He said this outpouring of God's Spirit that he's talking to these people, thousands of people, said this outpouring that that you've witnessed, this is what Joel prophesied hundreds of years ago. And it's not just for us. It's for you and for your children and for your grandchildren and everybody who comes after that. God's power didn't end with the apostles. How could it have? He left us here with work to do. Why would He disconnect the power? You say, well, John, I've asked, I've asked for the Holy Spirit. I didn't, I didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What, what do I do about that? Well, first of all, listen. Sincerely, let me apologize to you on behalf of the church at large. We have so marginalized the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
We've made it so weird. We've made it so mysterious. And, and, and not just the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but it's specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we've created this mental stronghold in people's minds. The biggest obstacle to receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is right here between your ears. If you grew up in the church. Now, if you just got saved last week, you're in the right spot. Right place, right time. Because you got, you got nothing to overcome. you got nothing to unlearn. So please let me apologize to you, seriously. So please receive this apology and then look in the Scripture for yourself and believe what it says. And what, and what Paul said was, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. So God, John, that wasn't my tradition. I wasn't raised like that. Forgive me, but I don't care how you were raised or what your tradition was. I've had to overcome a whole bunch of my raising and tradition to believe the truth of the Word. You've got to ask God for the wisdom to remove that stronghold and bring it under subjection to the Word of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen, it's not about speaking in tongues. It's about power to be witnesses and to carry out the work of the kingdom. So keep the main thing the main thing and don't get everything confused. And what else do I do if I haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You do what we talked about last week. Ask and keep asking. As a matter of fact, I want you to see this. And this is going to blow your little minds. But it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about when He taught us that. And I want to show it to you in Luke chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 9 and go all the way through verse 13. Listen, you've got to read the Bible as it says it for itself. You've got, you got to read it all together. Luke chapter 11, we're going to start with verse 9. We're good? I, I didn't highlight that. We're not good. That's why I keep a Bible right here in case I mess up. Don't give them all my scriptures. If you've got a Bible, I want you to see it in yours. Luke chapter 11. Y'all didn't know I could find something in a real Bible, did you? I keep looking for the home button on this thing, and I can't find it. Luke chapter 11. Verses 9 through... Yeah, now that I found it, she's got it pulled up. So y'all can watch, see. Verse 9 through 13. So I say to you, this is Jesus again, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Right? You've heard that 127,000 times in church. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, to the one who knocks, the doors will be open. And we all say hallelujah about that. Right? Jesus goes right, he just keeps going. We stop, Jesus keeps going. Which of you fathers, if, you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil, thanks Jesus, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Let me ask you what Paul asked in Acts 19 of the Ephesian believers. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? If you have not, and you want all that God has for you, you want to operate in the power because you know it's not by your might, you know it's not by your power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord, then ask Him and don't stop asking until you receive. Seek Him and don't stop seeking until you receive. Keep knocking until He opens the door. Your Father... If you can get through this however many inches between your ears, 
you can get through the obstacle here, your Father, who's a good Father, will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. I want y'all to stand with me if you don't mind. Listen, y'all know that I know that this altar is not the, the, the be-all and end-all of whether you receive a message or not. That I don't drive people to the altar and beat you up if you come or don't come or whatever. But I believe there, this, it's a time today for us to start praying for what He says we should pray for. We need to pray for boldness. We need to pray for boldness. We've been too timid for too long. Look, I'm, I'm as good a southern boy as anybody, but, but sometimes our politeness gets in the way of our boldness. And so we've got to make sure that we are, we are bold when Jesus says to be bold. We have to pray for boldness. We need to pray for authority after we pray to forgive the people who have harmed us. Listen, I, I can see it on your faces. Y'all got names. Y'all got lists of people who have hurt you. Me too. Me too. You got to let them go. You got to let them go. Because you can't drag them around and you too. You know, I don't want them to get off the hook. They're not getting off the hook. That's up to God. That ain't up to you. You ain't the judge. Let them go. And then if you have not prayed for power, I want you to come and pray for power. Because if you don't start here, you're not going to do it when you get home. So we're going to pray, and, and I want you to come and, and, and just begin to pray here in this altar. You can pray at your seat, but we got to start here. God, we love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. You can hear today's message in its entirety by visiting our website at covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.